So looking at the repertoire of repertoire <laughs> of looking at all of the Muppet movies uh-huh. that there are, there I think are just two Muppet movies which are retellings or adaptations of pieces of literature, classic literature. Right. Yeah. There's we're going to talk about Muppet Christmas Carol. And then there's Muppet Treasure Island. Those are the two big ones. Yeah, my by far my favorite is Muppet Treasure Island. That is a great one. Out of all the Muppet movies. I think two is not enough. I think yeah. that if yeah. we're going to have adaptations of classic things, we've had so many versions. Most of these things, you know, like you'd say, we don't want to see another version of this story because we've seen it so many times. But mm-hmm. I think if you add the Muppets in, the potential is unlimited here of movies I would enjoy. Worth retelling for yeah. sure. So what stories or ideas would you suggest for that? I think the key is the human. Like you got to have a human character as a main character. Yeah. You can't just have Muppets. Uh-huh. And so you got to have someone in there that's a human. And that's that's like a pretty well-known actor too. Yeah. And then you pepper in, you know, like Christmas Carol has Michael Caine. Muppet mm-hmm. Treasure Island has Tim Curry. Yeah. And so I think you need, you need that good combination there. But I think... Robin Hood is a story that we've had lots of really bad adaptations of. That would be fun. And I think the Muppets could make it good. That would be really fun. Or I'm tired of Sherlock Holmes, <laughs> like in general. That was, But yeah. the Muppet Sherlock Holmes would be great, I think. That would be amazing. That was actually one that I had thought of. What else is on your list? So I thought of another one that would be really good and another one that would be really bad. and <laughs> But like I would still want to watch. So I think anything Jane Austen would be fun. Yeah. With the Muppets. But then like I was just thinking and I'm like, oh man, the Scarlet Letter. What if they did <laughs> <laughs> the Muppet adaptation of that? And how ridiculous yeah. that would be. I don't think that one would go over as well. Yeah. This is Post Mormon at the Movies, Episode 9, The Muppet Christmas Carol. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. Welcome back. This is our last episode that we're going to do for 2020. So hopefully, unlike the rest of 2020, this is going to be a really fun episode to uh, end the year off on. But, or unlike the rest of 2020, as in (laughs) the global year 2020. Right. Not just our podcast. But we're going to take a little break after this for the holidays, and then we'll start up again in January. And I think our plan from now on is going to be two episodes a month on a pretty regular basis and have a steady stream of new episodes. And of course, we reserve the right to change that and add a new episode or take a break if we need to. But that's our plan. Yeah, because we're both, you know, working full time and have families and sometimes we just need a little break. So right. We need to stop talking about movies and watch movies sometimes. Watch movies. Yeah. And we have a pretty big list of movies that we want to cover, but we want to be doing this forever. And so if you have any suggestions of movies that you'd want us to cover, please let us know. Hit us up on our social media accounts, get in contact with us, and we'd be happy to consider the movies that you suggest. Absolutely. So uh, if you hadn't guessed by now, we're going to be talking about A Muppet Christmas Carol as our Christmas movie. Yeah. Merry Christmas. 
And this isn't one that like got a huge amount of direct relation to sort of the theme of this podcast as much as maybe some other movies. But we just wanted to talk about Christmas and talk about a fun Christmas movie and maybe talk a little bit about the, this movie in relation to being post-Mormon or just kind of the Christmas season in general. And I would add to that pretty much maybe any Christmas movie is going to be at least somewhat hinting at the religious side of the holiday. Maybe. Maybe. I haven't seen Bad Santa, and that one maybe be the only one on my list. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen that one either. But even then, who knows? Yeah. And so I, I would say most Christmas movies you could watch with at least a little bit of the religious slant to it. Right. Just because of the holiday. And so, I, you know, there's, we're going to have stuff to talk about, I feel. Yeah. That may be somewhat relevant. So let's just dive into the movie and talk about why do we love A Muppet Christmas Carol so much. I have a, a number one thing okay. that I want to say. Uh, the music for this is fantastic. Yeah. Even like I just on my rewatch this weekend, just watching the, what is it called? The overture. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if it's that, but it's like, you know, with the, with the opening credits. Yeah. It's this great mix of, it's like a medley mashup of the songs, the original songs from the movie, as well as traditional Christmas carols. Mm -hmm. But it's this great old timey brass you know, the classic Christmas brass sound yeah. that you think of when you think of like Victorian England Christmas, you know, mm -hmm. and a, a lot of fun percussion and just the, the arrangement of the music for even just the opening credits was great. And then you've got all these fun songs that are catchy. And I just think that's one of my favorite parts. Yeah. The Muppets have always been great at like being all things performer, like entertaining performers. They can be funny and sing and dance and they're all just puppets but yeah <laughs> one of the things i love about the opening credits is that they credit the muppets as performers themselves uh -huh. so it's you know michael kane as ebenezer scrooge but it's also kermit the frog as bob cratchit and the great gonzo as charles dickens and right. rizzo the rat as himself which <laughs> yeah. is amazing like and i think that's just part of the whole fun is that we're all in on the secret but we just all enjoy being, you know, taken in by the trick that these are real actors. As I think that's just kind of a fun thing that they do in this movie. Right, right. Um, anything else? Um, I just love the whole conceit in this movie that I think it really helps this adaptation to have Charles Dickens be a character in the story yeah. narrating it yeah and and so you get sort of this meta quality of like rizzo and charles dickens break the fourth wall a lot which is uh -huh. really fun and a trademark of the muppets but then you get gonzo like directly saying lines from the story and sort of framing all the in-between stuff and i wish that more movies retold stories by including the narrator or or the author as mm -hmm. the narrator somehow. And I feel like it could, for this sort of, like, because I think this is the best retelling of A Christmas Carol. It's for sure my favorite. Yeah, I think this is, I, I've i seen other ones, but this is by far the one that I come back to the most. And I feel stays truest to the spirit of the book. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't think it loses anything as far as like the quality or the heartfeltness of the message just by the fact that it's, Muppets and they're goofy. You yeah. know, you still have as much heart and as much, you know, meaning that you can get out of it as any adaptation, I feel. And I feel like a lot of that has to do with Michael Caine 
his performance. He, oh, he was great. He is in a drama. Like, he's yeah. not in a comedy at all. He doesn't think he's in a Muppet movie. He's right. playing this whole thing like it's a straight drama. And I think that's what sells He'd it. He'd be acting the same way as if it were, like, a bunch of other stuffy British actors right, right alongside him in all the other parts. Yeah. And so that's what makes it great. Yeah, and I think that's the key in, you know, jumping over to Muppet Treasure Island, which is the brother movie to this, sort right. of. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like Tim Curry's the same way. Like, he doesn't really realize he's in a Muppet movie. He's just playing the villain in a in an, an adventure in a movie. a pirate. You know? Swashbuckling yeah. pirate. So, yeah. And, and I think, yeah, that's the key to these movies. You know, this movie works because Michael Caine is playing this as if he was just in a normal adaptation of the movie. Yeah. And he does a really good job. And I like Michael Caine. I was looking up an interview where he talked about this movie. And he said basically, like, this is probably the movie that he's the most fond of. That he just thinks uh, it's fun to go back to. His kids can watch it. And then he just, like, has no regrets about making this movie. That makes me really happy. He's been in a long list of really great movies. Yeah. And so it's fun that, like, he just enjoys this movie so much. That makes me really happy to hear. I like that guy. Yeah. So as far as maybe we should shift and talk about, you know, a perspective of someone who is a former member of the church or somebody who is maybe post-religious. Or... What if we start from, like, the religious side of, like... Okay, yeah. One of the things that I really... Or one of the things that I think is important to mention is that Dickens, as an author, is quoted a lot in the church. Oh, so much. And you know who who's, like, the big number one, in my mind at least, who's, like, the biggest quoter of this is Thomas S. Monson. Yeah. Like, every year. He's a Charles Dickens fanboy, for sure. Yeah. Well, and I feel like he was just, in general, very well-read. Yeah, um, definitely. Like all of his talks, he would cite poetry and talk about literature. And I thought that that was really great of him. I really enjoyed that about his talks. Right. I think uh, we hear growing up, like I always heard tons of quotes in conference from C.S. Lewis. And I feel like Charles Dickens has got to be a real close second. Yeah. As far as the number of times he's referenced from across, not just this story, but across kind of his whole body of work and Mm-hmm. And I think that, uh, like, I was just kind of looking up, what are some of the quotes? What are the talks that have mentioned Charles Dickens? And one mm-hmm. of the ones that stood out is was from Thomas Monson in of course. 2011, the Christmas devotional. He talks about this being a story he reads every Christmas. And I think that one of the things that I'm grateful for growing up in the church, you know, on, on the list of things that I'm grateful for, a push to, like, be well-read and, like, enjoy literature definitely came from either the church itself, like from examples in like Thomas S. Monson, or definitely like my very active believing side of the family, who Mm -hmm. is all very well read and reads books a lot. And I feel like that's something I've inherited through the church and my family that that's very believing. And I'm and I think that that's just kind of in general. And so I think that like anytime there's an adaptation of like, like a pre 1900s book, I feel like lots of members of the church really like those movies. Like Pride and you mentioned like Jane Austen, Jane like Austen. Pride and Prejudice, Sense and Sensibility. Uh-huh. I mean, like I feel like those eighteen hundreds novels are like prime reading and entertainment for members of the church. And so this this story falls right into that sweet spot. 
Do you think it's because it's like a much more conservative society, maybe? Yeah, 110%. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, which isn't bad, but I think that... No, like, not at all. Yeah, there's a lot to enjoy, I think, that like... Uh, there will probably be believing members who bristle at this, but I feel like active believing Mormons fit in really well with the society depicted in 1800s England and America of being very conservative. You know, this is Charles Dickens writing a bestseller that's all about Christmas and sort of the redemption of man through the Christmas spirit. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, those stories get told now, but I feel like they aren't as popular as other stories, you know, or like stuff like Pride and Prejudice, which is like really wholesome sort of yeah. romance. It just fits the men- the sensibilities of members. Another thing, too, that I think is maybe why those types of stories are so popular is because maybe the older they are or the farther back in history they originate, the better it is because it, that means it's withstood the test of time. And that must mean that the principles contained therein are truth, you know, and so right. that's the reason we still tell those stories. And so the reason they're still around is or that we like them is because and I'm not saying that sarcastically either. You know, I mean, that's right. why classics stay around is because there's they keep resonating. Yeah, there's something there to learn from and to incorporate, to right. liken, you know, liken the <laughs> scriptures, liken the literature. Right. So what what stands out is like you're an active member watching the Muppet Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. Uh, like what stands out is like, oh, that fits with my faith. Well, you know, going along with the whole view of Mormon theology as far as like what happens after we die there's that whole idea of you know sin and having to pay for that pay the punishment for that you know in the next life if you don't mend your ways and so I think that's something that is you know a popular idea with you know not just Mormons but you know Christians in general who are you know watching this type of a movie that that's something that that would yeah resonate with them and yeah in a very literal sense you know in the church the idea of spirit prison mm-hmm. after you die like is is manifested very literally here of like in this adaptation, in the, the Marleys having chains that they've forged through all their misdeeds yeah. in life and, and that they didn't repent of them. And so they got stuck with them. That song scared me. The, the Marley's <laughs> well, song. I was going to say in true like Disney fashion, the like quote unquote bad guys have the best song, uh-huh. I think, because their song is just, so catchy, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of great songs, but that's the one that I always think of as my favorite, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great song. But it is a great idea of, you know, that like, like they recognize that like now, hindsight being 2020, maybe we shouldn't have done some of those things when we were alive. Right. And I think with, you know, the idea of like those you love reaching back to you from beyond the grave to like help and give warning and, mm-hmm. and I think is like a very Mormon sort of idea yeah or at least an idea that the mormons took and run with yeah um and that resonates within this so um is there anything else any other ideas or themes from the movie at least from like a believing perspective yeah the flip side of that is the idea of just like the general idea of redemption and that like the spirit of christmas in its like Mm -hmm. purest form of like do unto others you know love your neighbor as yourself Mm -hmm. those sort of ideas are all what Ebenezer Scrooge is lacking at the beginning of this movie and learns through the intervention of spirits to remember and or incorporate into his life for the first time. And I think that, uh, 
you know, I think this movie just has a lot of shared sort of ideas. There, No one's going to argue that A Christmas Carol, the the themes and ideas that it's portraying are, like, bad. Like, I think most right. most people, regardless of your belief in, in Jesus or a religion, are going to say, yeah, that's, like, common sense. Everyone should be better than Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah. And hopefully, yeah. you know, I think the the thing that maybe makes this more religious is sort of the, like inclusion of like spirits or ghosts to like help kind of elevate the teaching of this message Mm -hmm. but otherwise like someone thinking on like where in life did i go wrong and where did i end up in this place where i'm so unhappy when everyone else is happy and and if i keep going on this path what's going to happen to me that's a universal yeah character growth and progression let's change and grow and let's become better so i don't have to deal with all that bad stuff going on right yeah and i think in general stories that deal with that really explicitly like this movie is all about ebenezer scrooge dealing with himself Mm -hmm. like in the old sort of like you know middle school english class where they talk about themes of like man versus nature man versus man man versus self this is man versus self yeah and i think that i think anytime you're dealing with man versus self and then you layer on like religion or holiday christmas sort of stuff i think it just it resonates with people who have a belief in some sort of faith because mm-hmm. that's what the whole idea about is faith is a and, and belief is about man versus self in a lot of ways yeah for sure and so maybe now transitioning to how we view this movie from a point of changed faith or maybe you know loss of religion or belief in certain things Right. Just like you said, I don't think that there's a lot that changes for me with this movie. Yeah. I like the message. I like the ideas that it promotes. I like the takeaways from it. You know, let, let's improve. Let's treat everyone the way that we want to be treated and be good human beings. And, you know, that's not necessarily a Christian-specific principle. Right. Yeah. And I think that we've talked about this idea before, but I think that, and I've heard this when I was believing and in the church and, and now on the other side of things heard it as well. Just like it, for some people, it's hard to fathom that someone who leaves the church could still have like a moral center that they go back to that like motivates them to do mm-hmm. good and to treat others better than the, you know, and to be nice to everyone mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. All the things that we would say are being Christ-like. Right. That, you know, well, if you don't believe in the church, like, what do you believe now about, you know, how do you... Right. What's, what's from your... stopping you from going and raping and killing <laughs> yeah. everyone, right? Yeah, and so I think that that idea of, like, I don't think you need religion to become a better person and to treat others nice and and do all the things that this movie and this story is telling you. Mm-hmm. This is what we should be doing to, like, have the the true spirit of Christmas isn't, I don't think, exclusive to Christians. Right, yeah. And I know that some... Some people who have left the church or don't believe in, have any faith anymore, like that might be a hard thing to sort of, like I feel like Christians have such a monopoly on Jesus as a figure. Mm -hmm. But I feel like regardless of how you believe, the ideals of being Christ-like are universal, whether you attach them to religion or not. And I think, I think being, if you've had a bad experience and left the church, it's just hard to like, that's not how you would phrase it. Right. But, yeah. But yeah, I think that there's a lot of just shared language here of between 
believing members of the church or post-Mormons or ex-Mormons. Like, you know, this, all the themes of this movie are just the basics. Yeah, they're still, they're still good. They're still valid. (laughs) One of the things that I really liked from the movie was it was the song from the Ghost of Christmas Present. Mm -hmm. And one of the lines in that song, I can't remember it exactly, but it's like the... The message of Christmas, if we hear it, is to make this last all year long. And so, right. you know, we shouldn't just be feeling these things or learning this lesson only during Christmas time, but we should take this and use it constantly in our lives throughout the year. Yeah, agreed. Some people take that literally and don't take down their Christmas lights until <laughs> like, you know, March or April. But yeah, I think that's one of the only true sins. <laughs> What is it? You know, you know that scene from the first Avengers movie when they're like asking the Hulk, how did you how did you figure it out? How did you like? Yeah. How to like control whether or not you turn into the Hulk or not? Because he's he's always angry. and he's like, I'm always angry. And that's how I feel when people ask me, Dan, when should someone when should you be allowed to start listening to Christmas music? You know, around the holiday time before Thanksgiving, after Thanksgiving, once it's December. And I feel just the way that the Hulk did. I'm like. I never stop listening to Christmas music. I don't have that issue. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. I, I definitely have cutoffs. I'm more of a like, yeah. let's maximize our post-Thanksgiving to end of the year Christmas and then keep it special. But Yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying I listen to it every day, but, you know, once in a while, every couple of months, I'll just pull up my Christmas playlist and flip through a few, you know, go through a few songs. More power to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that one of the things that would maybe be a, a stickier point in sort of the post-Mormon point of view on this is uh-huh. that um, I feel like, and this is something that maybe everyone feels a little differently, but I feel like Ebenezer Scrooge to me feels like, you know, he's he's this miser who's hoarding over this vast fortune that has enriched his own coffers while he's being really cheap in how he distributes that even um, uh-huh. even to himself like to yeah because he has like, like saving money because he doesn't want to turn the lights on you know yeah he's such a penny pincher and he's like his 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 house is cold and yeah he doesn't get to enjoy doesn't even want to heat up his own house in the cold winter right you know but i feel like you know as from this point of view i feel like and maybe 2020 has just like hit this home more for me but i feel like in some ways, the church can feel Scrooge-ish to me when it comes to mm-hmm. how it, it deals with its donations. And this year, we've seen some of that in the news of how yeah. much the church itself is, is worth. If you keep up with the Mormon current events, right. there have been you know some things that came out in the past year that you may or may not have seen. That And, and I think that you know there's a lot of ways you can take that, that you know as a believing member, of course, you're going to feel like the Lord's church should be a church that has resources. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not saying that they shouldn't, but I feel like there are, there comes a point where it's like in, in the middle of a year, like, you know, 2020 and mm-hmm. comparing it to the England of Scrooge's time where there yeah. was vast inequality between the people on the streets and the people who had more than enough. I mm-hmm. feel like the Scrooge at the end of this movie that, just goes and buys the biggest turkey he can and he buys, you know, cleans out shops so that he yeah. can like really help the people around him. And like he's taken to heart this change. I think that yeah. that's, 
change. Get it? <laughs> um, Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, that's that's how I wish as a post-Mormon, like, I would be really proud of the church if it was more like the Scrooge at the end of this movie. Yeah. And I feel like there's opportunity to do that. And I feel like sometimes there's, because I feel like I heard things like that in the church of like, you know, the church helps people who helps themselves and like, you gotta, mm-hmm. you, we can give you charity, but you gotta work for it sort of thing. Yeah. And like, um, and I feel like those are times when it's like, yeah, I just, why can't we just be more charitable? And I feel like, yeah. You know, we see some of that mentality in Scrooge where he's saying like, yeah, you know, people just need to die to decrease the surplus population <laughs> and that will solve our problems. Uh-huh. And it's like, right. well, that would solve our problem, but not the best solution. That's not the <laughs> best I feel solution. Like, I feel like sometimes the solutions that having been in bishopric meetings and that sort of thing, the solution, you know, that uh, helping people in a congregation sometimes isn't as simple as it could be. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's the flip side to that of like, it's it's a smart idea to be smart with your money and to financial principles right. of saving up for a rainy day and being, you know, and I, I think that there's a lot of merit to that. But what you're saying is right. Like, like Scrooge, when he's at the end, like, you know, donating money or giving it away without restraint, you know, not that you should <laughs> do that because then, you know, you'd run out of money. But, um, but I think it's, you know, what you consider a rainy day can be relative. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people who are believing members of the church might say, well, like, why do ex-Mormons care? Like, why right. why do they even care about what the church is up to since they left? And my response to that would be, it's like, believe it or not, it's still a very big part of my life because... Most of my friends and family members are still believing and because it's important to them, like I respect them and the things that they do and like, and it was such a huge part of my life for so long that I think it's hard not to care about this organization. And I think that's something that like, you know, people like John DeLynn have repeated over and over. It's like, he's like, I want to see the church improve and I want to see, you know, the organization and the members in the church succeed and, you know, strive to be better. And I say, I'd say that I would agree with that. Yeah. So. And I think one of the things, speaking of improvement again, Ebenezer Scrooge's journey, I think, is motivated not out of, like, ultimately becomes very motivated out of love. And, and I think that a lot of his, like, journey into the past and into the present is seeing different sides of people that he didn't see before because he Mm -hmm. got to, like, really get to know them. Or he's seeing in his past, like, a reminder of what you missed out on by not loving enough. And and little sidebar here. There's a really awkward, very sudden cut in the past, in the little, like, flashback sort of moment with the woman that he, like, loved. But she Mm -hmm. loved him more than he loved her because he loved money sort of thing. And there's this very awkward cut where it's, like, suddenly that scene's over and, like, Rizzo's crying. And it's, like... They all experienced a very big emotional moment that we didn't get uh-huh. to experience. And it's because literally right before they released this movie, they cut a whole song out that was right there. And there was this. Huh. So the song at the end of the movie, I think, uh-huh. when they like have that big pull out shot at the table and they're all singing um, yeah. is a is actually like a reprise of that song that they cut. Huh. And so there's this whole song where she sings sort of like 
about how the love is gone. Like we used to have this great love, but it's gone now. And, uh-huh. and, um, I think the people at Disney who were sort of had the final say were like, this song's real boring. So we're cutting it cause kids will hate it. And then once you've seen the full cut, which is we have a, on our DVD, they have the like full version with that song uh-huh. in it. And it yeah. is like, once you've seen it, you're like, man, the movie's really missing that song now because. And part of me, I guess I must've seen that because when I rewatched it this weekend, it's like, I think I remember there being a song here. Yeah, there definitely and was. Was it was it originally released with the song or was it released I think without? It was released in theaters without it. And they put it, I think, onto the VHS when it was released. Okay, and so video. I may have seen it. I may have seen it as a kid on the VHS. Yeah, so it's not one of those like Mandela effect things where it's like yeah. we're all having this shared thing that never happened. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it happened. And so, yeah, and so, so I, I watched that scene. And I'm like, huh. But the th- no, it's true though because I remember as a kid, I remember that song being really boring yeah. and wanting to. I'm sure <laughs> they focus test that and were like, and it was yeah, they were right. Kids probably thought it really boring, but but anyway, yeah, like so it's all about love, and I feel like one of the things that even though like we have at the end of this movie a very scary Dementor-ish figure, uh-huh. you know, Grim Reaper sort yeah. of. We just finished reading the third Harry Potter book with my daughter, mm-hmm. and so when we watched this movie this weekend, she was like. I was like, he's, that's kind of like a Dementor. And she was like, I was just going to say that, <laughs> so, um, which makes me a proud father, but also, proud father. yeah, you know, for sure. Um, one of the things that, you know, the, like, it's a very scary third act, like to the point that like mm-hmm. the Muppets basically disappear at the end of this because movie. they're like, they're like, this is too scary. We're, yeah, out, we're of out of here. We'll see you later. Which I think is great to like end the movie on very, a, a very straight retelling of the most important emotional moment. But all, you know, even though it's super scary, like Ebenezer Scrooge's motivation ultimately isn't out of fear. Like mm-hmm. it's not, not a fear in that like, oh, if I do this thing, like I'm going to end up like the Marleys. Maybe that's where he started. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes in the church, I was motivated out of fear a lot. Mm-hmm. And I see that in, in other people too. Like they're, they're motivated to do things because General Conference mentions Satan has sort of this fear tactic is what right. it feels like sometimes. And I think that that can, that can motivate you, certainly. Mm-hmm. But Ebenezer Scrooge moves beyond that and becomes motivated out of love. Like, it's right. more of, at the end, he's fearful because, like, I, I don't have the time to do the things I want to do now. And, like, mm-hmm. I want the time to show love to these people who deserve to have love shown to them. And I think... And like I said, like he said, he's, he has a lot of back payments that he needs to, right. you know, catch up on. Uh-huh. And I think that that... I feel like that's something that has become very clear to me from a post-Mormon perspective. The difference between being motivated out of fear to do the good, the right thing, and the Mm -hmm. difference between that and being motivated out of just genuine love. And I feel like, for me, removing the church from that equation has made me realize what do I want to be really genuine about in my life. And I Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a good question to ask whether you still believe or not. It's like... Like, what am I doing because I just want to do it? And because yeah. I've had the motivation in my own life to make changes. And what am I doing yeah. because a, an external party has told me it's what I should be doing? Uh-huh. And I think that sometimes those things align with things in the church, you know, and, and what's the right thing and the good thing to be doing is what the church is saying is a good, right thing to do. Mm-hmm. But I think it's, a you know, this movie makes me contemplate those sort of ideas of like, what is the most important to me to be doing to be good. Right. 
Um, I, I agree with that. Like, you know, after leaving the church, there kind of wasn't that motivation by fear anymore, I guess is how I would say it. Mm-hmm. And it was just more motivation of, you know, it, it requires a lot of hard, deep thought, like introspection, like figuring out what you're all about, right? Yeah. Um, the whole deconstruction process and then reconstructing who you want to be, what matters to you is a big, hard process. And when you're in the church, you know, a lot of that is already done for you. Um, but then if you lose that, it's, it's like you said, it's that whole process where you have to think about who you really want to be, you know? Yeah. Um, and then the motivations are maybe different, are often different, mm-hmm. perhaps. Is there anything you want, else you want to say about the Muppets and this movie? No, but I have something else I want to say about one of our previous episodes. Okay. I'd like to make a retraction. <laughs> okay, um, retract. So back in the Frozen 2 episode, I said that between the two Frozens, I think I said that I liked Frozen 1 better. Yeah. But I did a rewatch recently this past week, and I think I've changed my mind. I think that Frozen, I like Frozen 2 better. So Progress. Evol- evolution as a person. I just, just wanted to be honest out there for our listeners. Yeah. But no, nothing else that I have to say about uh, Muppet Treasure Island. Yeah. Unless, unless you have something else you want to... Muppet Christmas Carol, you mean. Muppet Christmas Carol, yeah. yeah. Maybe we'll do Muppet Treasure Island one day. I mean, That's a great movie. I think we have to now. Yeah. I just yeah. want to say, I guess the one thing specifically about like the this movie, or sort of the Muppets, before maybe we talk kind of in by just talking about Christmas for a minute. When we were living in Los Angeles, one of the, the Hollywood Bowl was really close to our apartment. And, and we went to the Hollywood Bowl a few times. The Hollywood Bowl is kind of an outdoor theater in L.A. that's really famous. Um, mm-hmm. And every summer they do this a lot of stuff there that's like they get big name uh, celebrity sort of singers and performance groups or conductors to come. And, and so you can do stuff like watch Indiana Jones with a live orchestra. Or we saw The Little Mermaid there once that was like, and they would stop the movie and the, and then have the musical numbers performed by a live guest. And so, like, Sarah Bareilles sang aerial songs and came out on stage. And Rebel Wilson did Poor Unfortunate Souls as their song. Oh, that'd and, be fun. And it was, was super fun. One of the things they did was they had the Muppets live. And it was only for, like, mm-hmm. one weekend only. And it was a live Muppets show that was just a variety show. They did songs and sketches and had celebrity guests. And it was just like this amazingly fun experience that my wife and I took our daughter to. And um, I just remember feeling like this is how much I love the Muppets. Like I remember feeling like this is when I was believing and being afterwards a little confused because I was like, I think I felt what I would call the Holy Ghost more at this event with watching the Muppets than I uh-huh. have had or felt in probably years. Like, and <laughs> nice. just because it, it just, and I think that for me, what I would describe that feeling as is just like being with like really good friends and really like comfortable and at ease and like no worries. And in that moment for like two or three hours watching the Muppets at the Hollywood Bowl, I just felt like this is like heaven. Yeah, sort of, like, <laughs> nice. <laughs> like hanging out with the Muppets and then being really funny and sincere and genuine. It doesn't get better than that. And and one of the things that I think, just as a side note, I think was really interesting about that experience was there was they didn't hide the Muppet performers, the like hmm. puppeteers, because it was on mm-hmm. stage and live. 
they couldn't hide them all the time. And so you saw the person performing Kermit a lot of the times. Uh-huh. And usually they, they go to great lengths to avoid that. But uh-huh. being live on stage, they really couldn't in a lot of ways. And I didn't notice or really care. Like like that illusion, like we were talking about at the beginning, the illusion of these being real, living, breathing things, like even on stage watching it. It was still there. You know, the behind the scenes and the smoke and mirrors sort of being broken. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, like still was like, no, nope, it's just Kermit and I'm enjoying Kermit the Frog right now. Nice. Anyway, nice. without and that, and the post the deconstruction afterwards was was that sort of idea of like why did I feel the spirit more at this Muppets event than like anything else in my life, uh-huh. you know, and not anything else maybe, but but just made me like it was one of the things that stuck in my brain or went up on my shelf so to speak of like a question uh-huh. of like why which yeah and you know. And I the think Muppets are true. There's different perspectives, but yes, <laughs> I think with a capital T, Muppets are true. <laughs> um, that reminds me of one of the responses that we got from our R-rated survey. Uh-huh. Somebody had one of their free response answers they'd written in and said how it was really something along the lines of how it was really confusing watching some R-rated movies and then they'd feel the spirit watching <laughs> some of those movies and they're like, I don't yeah. get this. How? Why is this happening when when they're supposed to be bad, you know? It's the same kind of thing. Yeah, I think that can lead to questions. So I guess I just wanted to end really quick of like, just talking about Christmas. What's what's a post-Mormon Christmas look like for you? What are sort of any thoughts you have about that? So, yeah, once again, I want to refer you to one of my friends who has a, a YouTube channel about her journey leaving the church, and it's called My Great and Spacious World, and we've mentioned this before on our Frozen 2 episode. Right. But one of her earlier videos was a video about being, like, her first Christmas as an ex-Mormon, like, having lost her faith. And mm-hmm. and it was, like, really soon after she had decided to leave. And I just want to recommend that video as, you know, like an extra reading, you know, something else to go listen to. I won't talk about it here because she does a good job of talking about the things, but we'll put a link in our episode description so you can go watch that video about you know, what Christmas can be like as a post-Mormon. But for me, like Christmas was always huge for me. I was always a big Christmas fan. Loved the music, loved... Well, you listen to the music all year. Yeah, exactly. You know, I just like the general feeling of merriment, I guess, merriness. Mm -hmm. And just people like being happy and kinder to each other and something that I always enjoyed. And I don't think that that enjoyment has gone away you know, I, we still have a nativity set up in our house. Yeah. You know, I'm still happy to sing the Jesus Christmas songs. Maybe I'm not so like in the mood to listen to them as much as I used to be, but it's still something that is not offensive to me, I guess. I don't know. It's just, it's still Christmas. It's still a good time to remember to treat others with kindness and to, uh, you know, this, the season of giving and helping and enjoying the company of people that you love. So I still very much enjoy it. What about you? Yeah, no, I feel the same way. And I I agree, you know, like, obviously, like we've been talking about, a lot of the message of Christmas, I think, rings true regardless of who you are. And I feel like that's why we see people from all faiths celebrate some sort of aspect of Christmas, because it's gone beyond the religious, like narrow definition of Christmas, of the nativity itself, and mm-hmm. kind of expanded out into all the things that just make you feel nicer and want to be nicer to people and and help yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And so, yeah, I feel the same way that I feel like 
there are aspects of it that are maybe harder. Like I feel like, especially, you know, in not this year, since no one can go do anything <laughs> for Christmas in a pandemic, but like things like, um, and being in Utah and like the question of stuff, like, do you go see the lights at Temple Square? And it's like, for me, that's a harder decision than, than maybe it, it, other people might think, well, that's, it's just lights, you know, but like it, it that becomes a harder, harder sort of thing for me. And like, cause I think, and I think that sometimes, you know, as a member, you, I, I know that I probably had bad thoughts about like the people, the members of other churches who were just like Easter and Christmas, mm-hmm. you know, church members, like they would just show up for those. But I feel like that's kind of what I've fallen into more of a rhythm of is like, like I see the like benefit of like taking a time of year to like sit and remember or think about Jesus and what he means to me. And that's different than it used to be. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like sort of like, uh, I don't, I just don't want it to be fake, I guess. Like I, I enjoy being really yeah. authentic more now than ever. And I feel like I don't want it to ever come across to anyone else as like being fake or most importantly to me of like, and I feel like it may be confusing. Like mem- believing members probably are very confused by most post-Mormons who like, and how they have celebrate Christmas maybe now. But I feel like it doesn't really matter ultimately if it's confusing to other people, as long as like it makes sense to me. Yeah. And I, I can, I can relate to that. Like I don't attend church anymore, but like if I'm, you know, visiting family and mm-hmm. you know, they're going to sacrament meeting, sure. I'll go with them if, you know, if the schedule works out. And I, I just remember one of the last times that I went to a sacrament meeting, and this was like pre-pandemic, right? Yeah. So it's been a while. But I remember going, and like I said, like I've, I've always been a, like I always enjoyed music and the hymns and everything in church. And and so like I was singing one of the hymns the last time I was in a sacrament meeting. And it was going along just fine until we got to this one verse. And I'm like, I just like, paused and I stopped singing because I couldn't with what the text was saying and I can't remember what it was exactly but I, I'd feel like the same way you know and if I go back there, there are still some hymns that I would sing but there's probably some that I wouldn't want to or feel comfortable doing and I think that's probably the same with aspects of Christmas based on what what you're saying that yeah yeah I think that's a good a good example of I think that sort of idea just gets heightened a little more at Christmas when those sort of experiences come up a little more often. Yeah. That there that there's things I bump against that are like, oh, like I I remember having really fond, important memories around that thing, but now I just see it differently and it just feels weird that I see it differently. And you know, the process of deconstruction and reconstruction can take a long time. And so Yeah. There are still a lot of things that I don't know how I feel about stuff. I don't know where I'm eventually gonna settle on what I think about topic X or Y that deals with Christmas or religion. Yeah. Um, And I think it's okay to not know that. Yeah. I think that, you know, so much of growing up in the church is having sort of a a mold that you're supposed to fit or uh, key pivotal sort of moments in your life and things that, you you know, hallmarks that you should be hitting. And yeah, it's it's just, it's hard to not have those Mm -hmm. all the time now. But I feel like, yeah, there's no pressure to like have to fit a certain way you don't have to go to the opposite extreme to be everything you know that is opposite of your old church self maybe but i think yeah you got to figure out what works for you and i think christmas is a time i think regardless of where you fit you can all come together to to figure out you know at least those basic things we were talking about of like being better to people finding ways to help 
I think it doesn't matter who you are. You can do all those things at Christmas time. Exactly. Well, I think that's our episode. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Uh, We love Muppet Christmas Carol. If you haven't seen it, go see it. If you haven't seen it for a while, go see it again. And see all the Muppet things. Yeah, see all the Muppet things. (laughs) Disney Plus. Yeah. If only we were sponsored. (laughs) <laughs> one day one day <laughs> well have a merry christmas to all our listeners and to you dan yeah merry christmas nick and to all of our listeners god bless us everyone post mormon at the movies is on facebook twitter and instagram follow us for regular updates and subscribe on your favorite podcast app so that you can download episodes as they become available Thank you for listening, and we will see you at the movies next time.